Are you having discussions with your children about the topic of violence and where violence is going to happen in their life, how they're going to be able to manage it, uh, what happens when they see it, how to make basic sense of it? Well, in this episode, what I want to do is I want to introduce you to a couple of tactics that you can use to have those discussions, those very important discussions with your children about violence. Welcome to the Close Quarter Dad podcast, discussions about raising your kids with confidence, safety, and resilience. I'm your host, Adam Mitchell, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So let's get started. The first thing that I want to do is just give a little background and and discover why it is that we don't have those discussions with our children about violence, but yet violence is all around them, whether it be in entertainment, in media, at school, music, go on and on, but they're constantly exposed to high, high levels of violence all around them. But how often do we have those discussions with them so that they make sense of it and they're able to manage it inside their heads for the rest of their lives? Well, I think it's really important to understand and to kind of look back at when we were kids. And I know for myself, when I was a young child, the actual discussion of emotional-based topics such as uh, sexuality was just something that was completely taboo. It wasn't discussed in schools. Uh, if it was, it was in these very specific 15-minute classes uh, that were, you know, for some reason in, taught by our gym teacher. And, but actually having those discussions were very taboo. And as a result of not having them, uh, it created misinformation. Uh, it created some misguidance. Also, I think a lot of parents aren't uh, equipped, whether it be through just ignorance or uh, not learning the topic of violence or understanding, never being exposed to it, never having to manage it, or even worse, possibly having a past trauma where they don't want to re-encounter that discussion. They just don't want, they want to leave it in the past uh, and they don't want to bring their children uh, into that world that they were once exposed to, uh, whether it be through career-based, whether it be through uh, law enforcement, military, whether it be through past trauma. They just don't want to bring their children there, so they ignore the discussion or they choose not to have that discussion with them. Well, the, again, the outcome of that is going to lead to a misunderstanding of violence, misinformation about violence, and in many ways, it's going to create a complacency. It's going to calibrate them to have a complacency towards violence. And this is going to lead to an outcome where when violence does happen, they may not manage it the best way for the best outcome. So where do we begin then with this topic of violence and having this discussion? I think the first thing that uh, we need to do is we need to make sure that the discussion is contextual to where the child is in the ladder of life. So having a discussion with a 16-year-old girl about the most important matters of violence is going to be a whole different discussion than you're going to be having with an 8-year-old boy or an 8-year-old girl for that matter. So we want to make sure it's contextual. Where we want to begin, though, is making them understand that, first of all, feelings of lashing out, feelings of manifesting violent acts outward is something that is natural. And that's why it's so important that they talk with you, that they have discussions with you about how they're feeling, because those discussions uh, and the ability to be able to speak about how they feel uh, creates space. And that create the space that the that is going to be created through having those discussions, through being open, being transparent, is going to allow them to be able to maneuver better when situations do escalate or they do become more stressful. So the first thing is really words and really identifying first that violence is something that is natural. It's part of the human experience. There are going to be times when violence comes at us, whether it be uh, something visual, whether it's something that we hear, something we see, or something that's physical. And in order to manage that, it's very important that they 
understand that they can speak to you or they can speak to someone and that's going to help calm the feelings of lashing out, whether it be physically, whether it be emotionally, whether it be mentally. So now that we understand that violence is something that's natural, we, are, we also understand and we've spoken to our child about the fact that it's gonna happen to them. They're gonna witness it, they're gonna have feelings like that, and they probably already have at some point in their life, but it's very important, it's a priority to be able to speak about it and to create that mental space so that they can maneuver better and make better choices. But now let's talk about the channels of violence. The first channel is internally, and this is where your own or their own life experiences are going to have emotions that go beyond the point of control and they escalate to a place where they lash out, and that lashing out and trying to gain control over another person uh, or another person's actions because it's something based on your own personal desire is in effect that forceful control of another person's action or desire and in, in you imposing that on them is in itself violence. So you wanna make sure that they understand that the first is the lack of being able to control emotion that escalates internally and then becomes a violent act. The next channel of violence is when a violent act comes towards them and they're now a recipient of that. And how do they manage that? How do they control? How do they protect themselves against that? So that next part of the talk is really understanding that violence is both manifested internally based on emotion and it's received externally also based on someone else's emotion. So understanding this, let's go to the next step and talk about management of this conflict and management of violence. So there are many different frameworks. There are a lot of different models and a lot of great information out there about what forms violence takes. But the discussions that I've had with hundreds if not thousands of children about this topic that resonates the best is really the three forms of violence. And I will actually tell you because we're dads, we're parents here having a discussion uh, centered around tactical parenting, that there are really four, but when we speak to our kids, we only wanna talk about the three. The first and the most primitive, obviously, is gonna be physical violence. But then we go to emotional violence, and then we go to mental violence. Now, the fourth one is spiritual violence, and I know this is gonna sound, maybe to some of you, it may sound a little quacky, but the reality is, is gaining spiritual control, a higher level of mental and emotional and physical where the three of them join, Physical violence is exactly what it sounds like. It's imposing someone's desire upon another with force and uh, trying to gain an outcome or, or want or a desire that you have through the use of physical force. Now, emotional violence is pretty much what it sounds like as well. And I guess the best example of that is gonna be among teenage girls where you see these serious situations of social exclusion, where you take advantage of someone else's emotional welfare and their emotional state, and you impose with force your need or your desire for a specific outcome that only suits you. And the outcome for them is, uh, is victimization. Uh, emotional victimization, and that can lead to a very, very bad outcome and consequences, as you know. The next is gonna be mental violence. And a lot of these do overlap. So you're gonna see, uh, of course, there's an emotional component, a very, very strong emotional component to physical violence. Oftentimes, though, physical violence can be void of emotion. Oftentimes, physical violence can be void of mental, uh, mental components, too. So there's certainly gonna be a lot of overlap. Uh, they don't stand alone. They're not in their own silos. I propose that mental violence comes in many different formats where you're an external witness 
and you're watching violence play out on a movie. You're participating in violence playing out, playing a video game where it's extremely reality-based and you're shooting someone and their gray matter sprays on the wall behind them. Uh, or you're listening to music, uh, ultra-violent content, but you're consuming violent-centered content that you become complacent towards uh, listening to or watching or, uh, or even reading. But the consumption of that content doesn't have an emotional trigger to you that's immediate. And, uh, you know, there have been times that I've been talking to my son and I'm listening to the hip hop and I'm, I'm a, I like hip hop too, but there are some, there are some lyrics in there that I listen to about raping a girl There's one in particular about raping a stripper and then shooting her in the back of the head. And I'm like, I look at my son, I'm like, are you serious? You're not even picking up on this? Oh, come on, dad, it's just the music. Well, hold on a second here. What that's doing is it's calibrating how you're looking at the world through what lens you're looking at the world through and you're accepting that this is okay and your acceptance is based on a large social proof of this content within this music and that is somehow acceptable. So this is sort of the mental violent uh, game that our children are gonna be exposed to. So let's look at this one more time. We have the obvious physical, we have the emotional violence, and we have the mental violence. And these are the three forms that they're gonna come in. Now, when we talk about this, we wanna always relay back. We wanna go back to, is the physical violence coming from me or am I a recipient to it? Is the emotional violence, is it, is it coming from me? Am I targeting another kid and I'm gonna mess with them and I'm gonna maybe bring them into my social circle only to kick them out, only to you know, build them up to let them out? Or am I gonna pick on someone on the bus Am I actually a bully and I don't even realize it? Or am I a recipient of this? You also wanna talk about and ask your child for some examples. Ask them, are they, have you seen examples of this uh, in your school or among your friends? How does that make you feel? Have you participated in this? And it's okay if you have, because kids do that and I get it. So then how do we respond to this when a child says, dad, you know what, I just didn't know what to do. There's a couple different ways, but ultimately it comes down to, in the Japanese martial arts, we have this term called sanmitsu, sanmitsu, and it kind of, it translates into um, the thought, the word, and the deed, and it kind of follows that progression. You want to be able to identify the thoughts that you're having, and how is the situation making you feel, and how are you managing it internally? Now, that goes all the way back to the beginning. The first thing that we talked about is understanding what violence is, and that it manifests within you through emotional triggers. Through the thought, being able to create space in your thoughts, and being able to manage those feelings is the first thing. The second thing now, as I already said, is expressing it, putting it out there, and using your words. Now, this is where your word becomes a sword. It becomes a weapon of safety, a weapon of protection for yourself or for another. Now, being able to manage and mitigate and control conflict can only come through experience. This is why it's really important to give your children the permission right now to manage these thoughts, manage these experiences, and being able to have what it takes to step up to the plate when they witness this, and they're able to identify in their thoughts, you know, what I'm witnessing right now does not make me comfortable. What I'm feeling right now does not make me comfortable. And the first step from is to identify those thoughts. Don't go into what's called the freeze factor and freeze up and lock, I don't know what to do. 
Once they're able to create that, sp that space, then they convert the space to words and they say, stop. And having the actual dialogue is a, is a whole other topic that we can get into in a different episode. But right now we want them to understand once you control your thoughts, once you're able to identify how you feel, then you need to put a word to it. And then from there, that word is, I want you to stop right now. Now it could be a situation where your child sees one child picking on another on a bus. So let's say this boy is picking on this girl. Your child decides to tell it, hey, I want you to stop right now, leave her alone. And it could be a situation where um, there are some higher level tactics to this that we get into in close quarter parenting, close quarter dad, where they use, there's a um, verbal tactics where they might say, they use a pattern interrupt, they would say stuff like, you know, I actually thought you were a really good kid and I don't understand why you're doing this, but I want you to stop right now. And hey, why don't you come over here and sit with me? And they, they tell the victim or the target to come over to their camp and come sit with them. Well, what's gonna happen there is it triggered, the hero it's called ends up triggering a social proof effect. It's like putting a match on a puddle of gas with the other kids who have been witness to this and have been not able to manage their thoughts are now able, to, the space has been created, social proof kicks in, and another kid steps up and says, yeah, man, knock it off. And then another, and then another, and then another. And for the victim, the cavalry has arrived. The victim is now elevated. The victim now feels a sense of support and empowerment that they did not see before. But also for your child, they feel now, they've been able to manage a conflict. They've been able to control an outcome through the use of their words, through that second level. Do you understand how this is working now? I hope so. But then the next is identifying the deed and identifying the action that they took, that they actually did this and they made a difference, that they created and they controlled this outcome and that they were able to serve that person. They were able to serve the victim. Now, sometimes that victim is gonna be them. Remember, they're the recipient of that physical violence, where before, as the witness, they were, they, were, they were the recipient of emotional violence. They didn't like what they were seeing. They were watching this happen. They were feeling empathy for the victim. They may have even been feeling empathy for the bully. There's a, a situation that happened in California. I want to share with you this story about Billy and Joe. Well, Joe uh, targeted Billy and wanted to kick his ass after school. All the kids started talking about this fight that's going to happen after school. Don't you know that as soon as school ended, all the kids gathered where everybody said the fight was gonna be. And of course, you get what's called the Coliseum effect where Joey's out there and he's waiting for Billy to come out. And of course, Billy's scared and other kids are like, oh man, you're gonna get your ass kicked today. But how do you think this kid felt for the whole day of school? The Coliseum effect happens when Billy walks out the door and I could, I 100% of the time, I'll do this in a studio of children uh, or a, a community of kids. I'll be speaking out of school or do it here in my dojo where all the kids, I'll say, what do you hear immediately when Billy walks out the door? What, what is the sound that you hear? And every one of the kids starts going, fight, 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 fight. I want you to think about that for a second. I want you to think about the social proof effect that's going on. It's called the Coliseum effect. And Billy wants to avoid it, but can't. And the kids are yelling, fight, fight, fight. And then, you know, all of a sudden, Billy gets pushed from behind by some, one, of the, one of the witnesses, one of the onlookers. Violence is now happening at many different levels. Violence is happening at the mental level, at the emotional level. And now, because we've, we've got, gotten to what's called the point of no return, 
It now goes to the physical level. Well, Joey comes in and throws a haymaker at Billy. Billy stops to block the punch, and as a, as a response, he just throws his hand out, ends up connecting to Joey's trachea, smashes him in the throat. Joey drops to the ground and starts choking and holding himself. Now we have is a situation where all of the kids uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the student community, all the kids that were part of that Coliseum effect are now witnessing something horrible. It could have been a situation where uh, Joey ended up falling and hitting his head and splitting his head open, uh, but nobody opens their phone and calls the ambulance. The teachers couldn't get through the crowd fast enough and the whole situation turns uh, disastrous in an instant. And Billy didn't want any of this, but now he's scarred for the rest of his life with damaging another human under his hands. Joey didn't want this because now he's got an injury that's sending him to the hospital. And the community of children who were participating in the Coliseum effect were a victim of this violence at the witness level and the onlooker level because they're now traumatized by seeing this. And here's what's interesting. You guys are all dads out there. And I think each one of you, if I asked you this question, you'd be able to go back in time. I want you to go back in time and I want you to recall that one moment where you, you've carried with you for your whole life, where you say, you know what? I wish I had said something. I wish I had done something. I could have done something and I didn't. And you know what? All of us have that experience, especially as men. We have that experience in our past and we wanna be able to protect our children and minimize those experiences in their life. And that's gonna happen by having these discussions, by sharing these examples and having them share back to you the examples, the experiences and the emotions that they're having centered around this topic because it does exist. You don't want to avoid the topic of violence like the topic of sex was avoided when we were younger. This is a very real topic. The schools don't address it. They address it in, with zero tolerance policies and it's out of sight, out of mind with them. In fact, I would invite you to watch, uh, watch or listen to the uh, episodes that I have on zero tolerance and how to speak to your children about that and how to navigate zero tolerance. So let's wrap it up and let's summarize uh, how this all works and how we're gonna talk to our children. Uh, about violence and I want to challenge you to have these discussions uh, today or as, as soon as you possibly can and you have that opportunity to sit down and discuss with them this important topic. The first thing is, again, is to explain to them that violence is something that is perfectly natural. It's something that comes from us and it's something that's going to come at us at some point in our lives. And you wanna be able to express how you feel when you can and don't keep that stuff locked up inside because it will come out if you don't give space in your emotions and in your mind. And if you don't give the space to be able to make the right decisions, then they're gonna express themselves uh, with a lack of control. They're gonna express themselves with force uh, and they're gonna come out as violence. But also you'll um, be more susceptible to being a victim of violence if you don't let these expressions come out and these emotions. That's why therapy is so important. Having these dinner discussions with your kids is so important is to be able to allow them to have that space. Next we want to explain to them the different channels of violence. That violence comes from within and outward but violence also comes outward to inward. So that there's two lanes and they have to identify this. Once they understand that this is something natural, it is something that they're going to be exposed to throughout their life. They're comfortable with the fact that they now know that if they're able to control their thoughts and they're able to give their thoughts some space, they're gonna have better control of these two lanes, the outward manifestation of violence as well as the recipient or the uh, re receiving of violent intent. Then we wanna to explain to them the different models that 
violence comes in. It's physical, it's mental, and it's emotional. We want to be able to give them examples of that. We want to be able to define that for them. And then we want to have them express back to us different experiences that they've had where they may have witnessed that or been a victim or been a subject to that and, and, and participated in any of those acts of violence. Next, we want to explain to them the three types, the general three types of violence. It comes in physical, emotional, and mental. And what exactly do those mean? And again, you want them to share with you some experiences that they've had, that they've participated in, or they've been a witness of. And lastly, we want to wrap it up with explaining to them how they can manage conflict, how they can manage and de-escalate violence. And it comes from starting with those thoughts again and being able to take control of the thoughts, then taking that first action of using the word. First, there was the word. That is so true because this is the first step to controlling the escalation of violence. It is in the use of force continuum, the verbal command, having that command presence and telling the subject what they need to do right now with a command presence. This is so important. But then once they've been able to de-escalate, they need to identify the action that they took, the deed that they participated in, and the service that they provided either to themselves, to someone else, or to the general community of witnesses. You see, earlier I shared that story with you about Joe and Billy and that whole situation and how it went disastrous really quick. But imagine if one kid, imagine if your child stepped in the middle and said, hey, both you guys knock this off. This is stupid, I'm not gonna accept it. Joe, I thought you were a good guy. You're one of the top athletes at the school. Man, you're stronger than this, don't do this. Billy, you're a friend of mine. I don't want this happening to you. You come with me, we're gonna go, you know, we're gonna go grab a soda or whatever. We're gonna get out of here. Guys, this is ridiculous and knock it off, let's go. Boom, Who, who's the leader in that situation suddenly? Who becomes the alpha, literally, in that situation? Who controls the dialogue and the outcome? Well, that would have been your child, and that would have been because you had this discussion, this so important discussion on violence, and they were able to understand the outcome. They were able to look into the future and see where this could potentially go, and they didn't want any part of it, so that they took control. So this is up to you. Once again, I challenge you to have this discussion on violence with your child or with your children. Make sure it's contextual to where they are in life and make sure that they understand everything by giving you those examples and the feelings that they have inside them. I wanna thank you for spending time with us on this episode today. It's truly appreciated. I hope you got some value from it. If you wanna go ahead and leave any comments or questions, reach out to me directly. I personally answer all of the questions that you have. If you know someone like yourself who may find value in this episode, then please go ahead and share it. We'd also like to ask you to subscribe to Close Quarter Dad. This way you get updated every time a new episode comes out, wherever you're listening to this episode. Thank you so much once again, and we'll see you on the next episode of Close Quarter Dad.